First and 10 from the 20. Snap, play action on first down. Carr over the middle. It's over the head of Adams and picked off. Quandre digs it to 35. Down the near sideline, 20. And he's out of bounds at the 15. Bends and he's back under center for a snap. Play action, looking downfield, over the middle. In and out of the hands of Morrow and picked off Diggs again in midfield. Far sideline, 40, and he steps out of bounds at the 35. Quandre Diggs didn't have an interception all year. Takes the snap, back to pass. Steps up in the pocket, fires down the middle. Intercepted! Perriman in midfield, 40, 35, 30. And he's finally tripped out and taken down on the near sideline. Hand off to Walker, balls on the turf. Raiders say they have it at the 28-yard line, and they do! Second takeaway for the defense, it's Chandler Jones! Smith is under center, snap, play action, dumps it out to Homer in the flat, he's open at the 15, cuts up field 10, breaks a tackle 5, touchdown Travis Homer! And the Seahawks regain the lead, 33-27 with 5.37 to go. Derek takes the snap. Back to pass, looking right, pressure, lofts, far corner of the end zone, open receiver, touchdown Foster Morrow! And now the Raiders with a chance to tie the game here in Seattle. Down to five on the play clock, gets the snap, hands off to Jacob, stutters to the right, bursts through the hole 20, 25, 30, he's off to the races here in Seattle, nobody's gonna catch him! 25, 20, 10, ball game! Bye-bye Josh! 86 yards in overtime to walk it on for a second straight week. Touchdown Raiders, victory Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. And Ghana beats Brazil. I mean, Korea. Brazil plays in about an hour. The World Cup's great. You're just all scrambled over there with I an am. overdose of the sports. Oh, Korea's coach just got a red card. Oh. He was not pleased. Furious. They could have had a corner in the last second, but the ref blew the game dead. Ended it right there. 10 minutes extra time, too. Oh, they've they've been given a ton of extra time. It's phenomenal. It's great. You you like extra time soccer better? Okay, here's here's what happens in soccer because they don't stop the clock and they do the the dumb extra time at the end. Yeah. Uh, It is hilariously small for how much the ball was out of play or players are down injured. Like, Mm -hmm. it should genuine. Like, I think it's they play roughly 50 or 60 minutes. The ball is in play over sure. a 90 minute game. So it should be like 10 minutes at the end of each half. It never is. It's like two in the first half, five in the second half, the world cup. They've been like, here's six minutes at the end of the first half. And here's 10 at the end of the second half. Too many ties. It's great. That it's or phenomenal. they actually gave the refs like parking spaces so that they're not sitting there going, look, it, if this yeah. game goes another five minutes, I'm going to owe another $28 Correct. on the meter. Or I'm going to have to sit for two hours on the same row after Golden Knights games. That's what always happens. The ref is trying to beat traffic. You're legit. <laughs> I don't think there is parking at these. No? It's just you get off like the public train and you just walk to the... All they the stadiums just are really stadiums. close to each other, yeah. right? Yeah. So you just that's public transport. Point. You just get off and walk and that's that's it. I'm a huge fan of public transportation. I wish we had trains. Be nice. Yeah. Be way better. All right. Here we go. Oh, by the way, that's Lindsay. Ed's on a plane somewhere. We might talk to him later. Yeah. We'll see if he gets off a plane in time. The first bite. Is UNLV going to a bowl game? All right. So here's what happened over the weekend. UNLV came in as a four and seven team, meaning if they got a win, they'd be five and seven and they would be potentially eligible to go to a bowl game if there were not enough six and six teams. 
going into that final uh, weekend, there were 13 open, or excuse me, there were 13 teams that were five and six. Mm -hmm. So 13 teams could have won and gotten bowl eligible and knocked UNLV completely out. The only five and six teams to win were Missouri, UAB, Southern Miss, and Louisiana. Rice lost, Buffalo lost, Georgia Tech lost, Florida Atlantic, Auburn, UTEP, Michigan State, Vanderbilt, Miami, all lost over the weekend. All of those teams could have gotten to six and six and pushed UNLV out of a bowl game. But because only four of them won, we're sitting here with UNLV having a legitimate chance to go to a bowl game despite finishing five and seven. But here's the fun part about it. We're not going to know until Saturday if UNLV can go to a bowl game. Because here's what's going to happen. There are currently 79 bowl-eligible teams. There are 82 bowl slots, positions, or whatever. Which is obscene. There's three open spots. Buffalo is playing a makeup game on Saturday. Buffalo is five and six. If Buffalo wins on Saturday... They become the 80th bowl eligible team. And there's team, only two spots left that we're vying two over. spots. See, I'm doing math today. So the way they break this down is if you're five and seven, mm-hmm. the best five and or the, t- the five and seven team with the best APR, which is just a dumb academic the student thing. part of the student right. athlete identity, Tyler. But it's not, it, it's a mm. dumb way they set it up. It's not actually how good are your students doing in class. It's just, are they on track to graduate basically? Yeah. So APR, Mm. Rice at five and seven has the best APR of any five and seven teams. So Rice is ahead of UNLV in the pecking order. UNLV is number two, though. They're ahead of every other five and seven team in APR except for Rice. So there's two open spots. Rice and UNLV would conceivably take those. But there's one problem, and that is New Mexico State. Because New Mexico State had a game canceled earlier this year against San Jose State. So New Mexico State is five and six. New Mexico State is trying to schedule a game this weekend. Right. They are trying to find somebody to play this weekend. And if they do so, New Mexico State can get to 6 and 6. Who wants to get their ass kicked today? So, if Buffalo wins on Saturday, mm-hmm. if New Mexico finds an opponent and beats them on Saturday, by the way, they might need to get a waiver from the NCAA as well. If both of those things happen, UNLV is not going to a bowl game. And the grades don't matter anymore. They do not. Well, they do because they lost to Rice. They were not as smart as Rice, basically. Damn. But if one of those two things doesn't happen, Buffalo loses or New Mexico loses or New Mexico doesn't even get the game, Mm UNLV is going to a bowl game. If I'm on the team, I can't really tell which way I want this to fall because it's you great you get great goodie bags at these bowl games <laughs> I hear. Like they give you the swag bags, they're they're pretty legit. But then you also have an extra month of practice, including like the smallest Christmas break known to mankind. Well, UNLV would play That's a big sacrifice. UNLV most likely would play like a week before Christmas. Regardless, there's extra practice involved. Yes, absolutely. So coaches love the extra practice. Here, I don't know if Marcus Arroyo does. Here is exactly what, what UNLV should boys. do. Here, here, And here's the thing with UNLV. They can basically jump Rice in the pecking order. Because UNLV played at Hawaii this year. The NCAA has a special rule for teams that play at Hawaii. Are you kidding? They're allowed to play a 13th game. because It can be a wash because it's such a 
bad travel thing? Yeah, basically, the NCAA oh, was trying. Oh, my God. They were trying to encourage teams to go play at Hawaii because Hawaii was like, listen, and we not, can't and, get And potentially teams. mess up their season right. by getting their so body were, clocks off, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. So the NCAA said, okay, if you go play at Hawaii, oh we'll let God. you schedule another game. That's hilarious. So because UNLV played at Hawaii, UNLV can play a 13th game. And okay. if you play a 13th game and if you're 6-7, and seven, you will be ahead of Rice in the pecking order, right? And Rice must be defeated. <laughs> so what, what UNLV could Rice? do, UNLV could go play New Mexico State this weekend. Oh, we could kill multiple birds with the same stone. Winner goes to a bowl game. They could also oh. do this with Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt is five and seven and played at Hawaii. So I they could conceivably play game. Vanderbilt. UNLV could go play a winner goes to a bowl game game against New Mexico State or Vanderbilt. Mike Grimala reported on Saturday they are not going to do that, and I think it's the biggest mistake they could possibly make. I cannot think of a single... But they're not going to go play a 13th game. I cannot think of a single downside to playing a 13th game. Hmm. You get... Well, then what's practice. stopping them? Why wouldn't they? I don't know. Do they Marcus have Arroyo enough makes workers bad decisions? in the athletics department? Is it about the paperwork? Go play Is on the road. Is it too expensive to FedEx? Like, New, Mexico, New Mexico State's trying Didn't to play a game. Did they live here last year? Uh, that was New pandemic? Mexico. Oh, my yeah. bad. New Mexico State might have, too. They might have both lived here. Yeah. But New Mexico State is trying to play a game. Mm-hmm. UNLV could be that game. And they're not going to do it. Here's the thing. You get from the coaching standpoint... You get a week worth of extra practices. Yeah. Right. Facts. For Marcus Arroyo walked in here in year one. They went 0 and 6, and he was like, ah, we didn't have a real season. We didn't have enough practice time. Here's a whole week's worth of extra practice if you want it. He apparently doesn't want it. You also get the whole coach speak narrative of, we're going to earn our way in. Hell we're yeah. Back against the wall. Way. Right. Let's get there. Like you get the whole Bush motivational wagon. factor yeah, yeah, of yeah. all of that. And then here's the other part you're going to get national exposure. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like people are going to be like, oh, I'm not watching the Pac-12 title game because UNLV at New Mexico State. But if they scheduled a game, if if right now they yep. put out a press release saying UNLV is going to play New Mexico State, uh, winner goes to a bowl game, basically, is what the setup this would be. This program cares. Right. Yeah. You would get stories across the college football media. Doing whatever it takes. That would be like, hey, UNLV, like, because people would love that in college oh, football. Oh, a people, thousand percent, especially when how much crap they give kids who, who sit out bowl yeah. games because their whole future's ahead of them. Yeah. People love the weird the parts program. of college football. And yeah. scheduling on the fly a 13th game in a, hey, winner goes to a college football playoff. Everybody would love that, but they're not going to do it. And I can't figure out why. I literally can't think of a downside to UNLV scheduling a 13th game against New Mexico State and setting up a winner goes to a bowl game scenario. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Budget constraints? Get on a bus and drive to Las Cruces? I mean, does it really cost that much? We have to stay in a Motel 6 this week, and we might have to rough it, but you know what? It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of puzzling to me. It w- it, here's the thing. It would be fun. Like, would it, it be fun? I it, okay. It, like just it would be fun. The week build up to this game. It would game be fun for time. Would, yeah. <laughs> who would it not be fun for? The I mean, players. my life isn't really made or broken by this, but like, I, I okay, s- yes, Jared. If the players came to Marcus Arroyo and said, "I'm we hurt, don't want to play," but here's the thing: Paloma Viacana, Fox Five. 
She reported after they lost to Hawaii, when they thought they lost their bowl eligibility, that players were crying outside the locker room. Because well, they, they missed a huge opportunity. To go to a bowl game. Right. And here it is again. Well, so I highly doubt that the players would come to Marcus Arroyo and say, we don't want to play in that game. I just, I find that it's hard like to believe. It's like the Idaho potato bowl versus the rice cake and beans bowl, though. Like, that could be the difference between that. Like, maybe the players are just kind of done. But I still, like, even if the players were mentally done, I would be, if I'm the coach, I'm like, why are we even in this position in the first place? Why aren't we clawing tooth and nail trying to extend this season? Right. Because for some of these guys, you're never going to be in a locker room like this ever again in your whole lives. And it sucks. Uh, spoken from experience. Oh, yeah. oh God, I was <laughs> sobbing that whole day. See, and what would you have done for one oh, more game? I would have done anything. Or, or just, I would have done anything to go back one game and not let in one of the goals that I did that prevented <laughs> us from playing our fourth straight championship game. But that was okay because I ended on a shutout, so that made me feel better. I just can't figure out why UNLV wouldn't do it. Because to me, yeah, it's a great idea. Here's the other thing. This would be better than a bowl game to me. Because this is just obviously the players. This game don't. actually means something. That versus the bowl game, you're just there to get the check and get right. the swag. Yeah, the, you're right. I I think it would be a tremendous move by UNLV to do this. It would be a ton of fun. It would be interesting. It and I then they're not going to do it. And I think it's a huge mistake. They might still end up in a bowl game, right? Yeah. Yep. New Mexico needs a waiver and to win, and Buffalo needs to win. They might still end up in one, and so you could sit back and say all right, we're just going to let whatever happens happen. And Hey, we go to a bowl game because New Mexico state couldn't get a game yeah. or something, but that's way less fun than going and beating New Mexico. Maybe state. they got to get to class to make sure that they're all making progress in case, you know, that, that backdoor alleyway opens up. That's that'll only, hurt, that'll only hurt next year's team. That can't hurt this mm, year's team. I anymore. don't know. It's all about being part of the process and building up the momentum and, and, and getting yourself into that same routine. Do the online classes. It's fine. Tell your teachers we're doing the most fun thing. This program has done in like three decades and we're going to play a 13th game with ball eligibility on the line. It'd be great. I'd love every second of it. All right. Coming up next. What's wrong with the Golden Knights? Theodore takes the putt, goes down through the right circle, cuts in front, and the shot goes into the goal. Phil Kessel took it right off Theodore's stick, hammers it home. 2-2 tie. Phil Kessel, his fourth goal with the Knights. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Featuring All-American Lindsey Brown. All-American Lindsey Brown. It's embarrassing. This is why I don't fill you guys in on my personal <laughs> life. I let it slip once, and then there's a liner for it. We have. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. You just so choked off? up on that Phil Kessel highlight, right? You're just like, what an inspiration. <laughs> Phil Kessel doesn't have highlights. Let's be yeah, real. We just here. played one. No, uh, didn't hear yeah, that. Yeah, in a game they lost. <laughs> like uh, five to two. The We're going to have tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. Also, ZZ Top. Uh, and we're going to have a six-foot sub from Porta Subs to give away. So stay Ooh. tuned for that. Meanwhile... The Golden Knights can't uh, stop losing. They started 13-3-0, but in their last seven, they're now 3-3-1, which uh, is not too bad, but they've lost two straight. They lost both games of a back-to-back at home. Um, Here's what I'm curious about. Bruce Cassidy in the first game they lost at home over the weekend, uh, they fall behind 2-0 to Seattle, Mm -hmm. and he just changes the lines completely. And even like Jonathan Marshall kind of sort of got benched for half of a period. Accountability, baby. And they end up scoring twice and it's two to two. 
to start the second period, he goes back to the same normal lines. They end up losing that game four to two. Then they come and play the next night and they don't play very well again. No, they did not. And Bruce Cassidy doesn't make the line changes that he made in the previous game. So over the course of the last two games, basically the only time they've had any success was the 10 minute period or so in which Bruce Cassidy just changed all of the lines. Hmm. The rest of that time, the lines have been the same and they've lost. They've gotten outplayed. And I'm just, I guess I, I don't understand the idea of Cassidy to not change the lines again in the second game. Like why stick with it when maybe that's too simplistic. I think it it depends on like when the game starts to turn, because I I wasn't at that Seattle game because I chose to, to watch some uh, women's college hockey and reunite some with some of my friends. But from what I understood is that they got down pretty early and then they were chasing the game pretty early. The, the, First 10 minutes against Vancouver, the Golden Knights were in the driver's seat. They were the dominant force. And then there was a couple of shifts where all of a sudden they were getting uh, run around in their own defensive zone. And then everything went back in Vancouver's uh, favor. And so I can understand Bruce looking to, like, spark some sort of inspiration with the team in that Seattle loss in terms of, like, well, nothing's working, so we have to find some sort of thing to build off of versus in Vancouver, you being the dominant team, for a while and then it starts to get away from you. Okay, guys, we, we just had it. We just had it. Like, let's get back together. Like just takes one shift. We'll get a couple of tape to tape passes. Like it's all about when you're buying into what you're selling that particular night. And so if it's not off to a great start from the initial get go, much easier to move away from whatever you had plans for. What's wrong with their four check. It's not existent right now. It's not existent. <laughs> like it, I don't know what it is with this team, and maybe it's because they were kind of getting baited into playing a little bit more of a rush-style hockey, which is their more natural inclination just historically. But they try to make these plays happen within the first 5 to 10 feet of the blue line, and we're going to take that shot just as we're getting to the tops of the circles. That can work sometimes. But the thing is, is that, first of all, it creates a lot more of a safe haven for turnovers to go back the other way with you not having numbers. But it doesn't give you a chance to actually wear down your opposition by getting the puck down low, by getting into pins, by making them dig it out, and expending their energy that way versus just another regroup pass and then going up back through the neutral zone. The Golden Knights aren't playing a hard brand of hockey right now. They're playing an opportunistic brand, and it's biting them in the ass. So is this a... Two games, seven game lull that, hey, you play 82 games, you're not going to be great for all Mm -hmm. 82 of them. Or is there like, should there be genuine concern about the Golden Knights? Obviously, they're not going to be 13-3-0 over the course of the season, but they got off to a good start. It was, oh, this team is a legitimate contender, not only in the Pacific, but in the West and potentially for the Stanley Cup here. Should we be bringing that back down based on the last seven games? I mean, or is this just, ah, it's seven games. They've kind of struggled. It's not a big I would deal. just expect more. I would expect more from this roster considering how much talent they have. I would expect more because they were so successful early on in the season. I would expect more because not everybody's playing at their top level right now and they're losing to teams that they should be beating. Like everybody was saying early on the season, oh, it's an easy schedule. And it was based just purely on the opponents. But if you look at how many games that they've played in the last month, and this is something that Bruce Cassidy mentioned in his press conference after the game against uh, Vancouver, they had three games in four days, including the only off day being Thanksgiving. And then the week before that, they had a, a, a couple games. But then the week before that, they're on that two-week road trip. And now they're back on the road for another two-week road trip. And that's the NHL. That's what they're paid the big bucks to figure out. But there are other forces that 
can get you off your game or at least out of your zone of comfortability where you start making decisions differently. And, and that's where it's it's not necessarily that mistakes are being made. It's that they're being in put in they're putting themselves in position to make more mistakes by not sustaining and, and pushing those pucks down lower. We're just spending more time in the defensive zone. An extra 40 seconds here, an extra minute here. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, it might be. That might be the 40 seconds or a minute that has the two goals in them. And and you're the one that's getting absolutely taken to the cleaners and tired out because there's been so much uh, attacking in front of their net in the house. Like it, It's been a huge problem for them the last four or five games. That's because they're getting caught down on their on, on the four check. And then that's where you take bodies down below. Like They just can't execute it to the same level that their opposition is right now. And uh, their defensive zone isn't set up to sustain it for that long. Even the best, most conservative um, defensive approaches are going to break eventually. Uh, you know who doesn't help the forecheck? Phil. <laughs> Phil Castle. He makes one mistake, and you're like, ah, he had a turnover leading to this goal. <laughs> well, of course, everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody has those days, Hannah Montana. Did he have a good play against Vancouver over the entirety of the game? Well, I can't really think of one off the top that, of my head, I but I can't that's think of anybody's particular play off the that's, top that of is my fair. head. That is fair. He was not the only bad player, but um, he did take a penalty as well. Although they killed that penalty. It's like the only penalty they killed the entire game. was you're, just, you're so obsessed with the results and like hockey is so much about process. And, and so no, no, it's the opposite. Really? Phil Castle's not good. Uh, when he's on the ice, they're not I good. I can't wait till Steve Carp comes on the show later on because when, we are going to have an absolute debacle when he's on the ice they're not good they're not good in the third period at home you want to hear some real stats you want yes. to see what you i have, found you told me you have stats and i'm okay. you who scoff at every yep. stat I well give you. these are different stats because you're talking <laughs> about like goals saved above average and all this other stuff like the deepest of dives i just look at the box scores and i look at the trends and Thank i look God. at um third period lag at home vgk scores more goals on the road this we know because they're winning more on the road but specifically in the third period they've scored 11 goals at home in the third versus 20 on the road and that's the biggest difference in their goal differential overall on the road they're plus 13 with a 48 35 but they're only plus six goal differential at home and then also when they trail going into the third period at home they're 04 and zero on the road they're three and oh you know whose fault that is? Who? The Golden Knights fans. Why do you say that? They're the bad fan base, obviously. Uh, you know, they can't. I'm glad you finally said something because it was really, I mean, <laughs> I, I talk about trends and things that keep showing up in my notes. I'm like that at some point I can't ignore uh, what I witness. And and you said it. you took the words right out, of my, right out of my mouth. Terrible fan base. Move the franchise. Get them out of Might as well. Vegas. They what don't, a failure. Yeah, it's, it's been unbelievably bad here. Um, so they suck in the third period yep. at home. Yep, one four and one when the opponent scores first at home versus three zero oh, and one when the opponent scores first on the road. They 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 actually get something out of getting punched in the face when they're on the road. Like they, there's a different response. <laughs> the Bruce rallying Cassidy call need is to more physically effective. Physically punch them in the face before they start home games. Maybe I mean why why treat these players better? Let's just go on with the full blown physical uh, interactions and, and see if that carries over. Although that was pretty much the only interesting thing that they did uh, during that game against Vancouver. With the, it was March a so fight and somebody else did, but the Marshy one was the better Keegan one. Keegan Colasar. That's right. Um, oh my God, he missed a wraparound goal. He had a wide open look. He faked out the goal and the goalie bit, and then Keegan I was just Colasar. like. <laughs> I need him to get to 15 goals. And Keaton so Colasar, I think his shooting percentage was like 1%. Last that year. might be generous. That? <laughs> like, that might be generous. Did Danny get you on some odds? Do you owe someone no, money? I you need I, Keaton no. Colasar to get 15 goals. I, well, I just, I genuinely think that if you're good enough to work yourself into good scoring positions, that eventually they're going to start going in. 
it's not at the rate that I had uh, anticipated yet. But you know what? He could be inspired by one Mr. Phil Kessel and all the great things that he does on that ice. Actually, if Phil Kessel was a healthy scratch, Keaton Colesar might get more ice time and he might actually start scoring some of those. So you should be on my side. I don't know. Coming up next, Mike Gramala joins the show. Threes and air ball. Shane Noel grabs it. Shane, long left-handed baseball pass to Burris. Burris underneath. And the baby slam dunk. Hey. It's a slam dunk, nonetheless. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Ramallah. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I am good. Good morning to you both. Good right. morning. Here's a here's an important question I have for you. Why is UNLV not playing a 13th game to become bowl eligible? I don't have a good reason to give you. Um, I assume that it's sort of late in the game for that. It's not something they plan throughout the year. And then throwing it together at the last minute in pursuit of a sixth win is something that is beyond the, the means of the program, uh, both financially and logistically. So I think if it's something that they thought they could do uh, and do a credible job of it, they might pursue it. But um, I think, you know, they, they feel good about where they are. And I don't think that I don't think they feel like they could pull off a 13th game. They can't rent a couple of charter buses and go down and play New Mexico State? I don't think... Uh, you know, I think they probably could, but I they probably don't think it's worth it to go through all the hoopla to possibly increase your chances of a bowl game because um, there's no guarantee they'd win that game. It would cost money. It would be more of an outlay for the program, and there's no guarantee of a, a return on that. So um, I don't know, but we, they are having a cannon painting ceremony today. We may see some uh, UNLV administrators there. Maybe we can get some answers on that. Um, all right. If they end up in a bowl game, uh, which is possible here, they would need either Buffalo to lose on Saturday or New Mexico State not to schedule a 13th game or not get a waiver or New Mexico State to lose even if they do all that. So they could very well end up in a bowl game despite going 5-7. and seven. Should we look at that as success, basically backing your way into a bowl game for Marcus Arroyo in his third year? Uh, no, I mean it's not a successful season. It's um, it's a nice, it's something nice that happens to the team. It's not something that I would say they they earn through their play on the field. I, they earned it through their APR, but I mean, let's be honest. Like you're not building a football program based around your APR score. You're trying to base it around winning games. So um, no, I mean it wouldn't be a successful season. It would be something nice that happened. It would be, um, I don't know, if you got if you got fired for your job. From your job, and then uh, while you were walking home, you you found a twenty dollar bill on the ground. It's like, yeah, you've got the twenty dollars, but it's not because of anything you did, and it doesn't make what happened earlier any better. So uh, that's kind of a rough analogy, but no, bad season, really bad, disappointing season um, that may end with a bowl game. Switch gears here to a UNLV team that has a little bit more control over their own destiny right now, or at least is chasing it. Uh, I've heard a lot about the UNLV men's basketball, especially the defense being the catalyst for the early season success. What in your mind enables the players to shut things down as effectively as they have been? I think they're just all on the same page. Uh, They're all capable. First of all, these are all players that are capable of, of playing that style and they're all on the same page about it. There's really, um, 
no one that stands out as someone who's not willing to put in that, that work on defense. Um, it's a, it's a hard job. Like it's hard to toil on defense like that for 40 minutes. Um, but the fact that they can all do it and sort of all take turns on the ball helps out. And the fact that they are just completely buying in. I don't know if I've ever seen a, definitely not a UNLV team buy into the team identity so early in the season. They were all about it from the opening tip off of game one. So I think that the biggest thing from the player's perspective is just that how on board they are and how willing they are to play this style, which is not an easy sell from the coaching standpoint. It's not easy to tell players like, Hey, we're not going to score a lot of points. It's not going to be flashy, but we'll win if you just dig in on defense and do the things that, you know, nobody really celebrates. So um, credit to the players for that. They are already seven and oh, uh, Ken Palm projects them to win all but one of their remaining non-conference games. And that one they're projected to lose by two to Washington state. So are we going to get a 14 and O UNLV taking on San Diego state on new year's Eve? Oh, don't you hope so? Yes. <laughs> that would be the biggest men's basketball game since I don't know when, uh, I hope we get it. Uh, just for the, yeah, just for the, the, the pomp and circumstance of having that game. That would, that would be nice to have UNLV just back in the action. Um, yeah, so they're two-point underdogs, according to Ken Palm, to Washington State. Yes. That is one E.J. Harkless mid-range jumper <laughs> going in, and all of a sudden they're tied, Tyler. Uh, they are only projected to beat San Francisco by three as well, and San Diego by two. So there's some close games they're projected. Basically, Ken Palm says they're going to play a lot of close games here in the next four or five. Yeah, I would expect that trend to continue throughout the entire season. No matter who they play, I don't see them running away from a lot of opponents based on the style. But, uh, yeah, so far that they have, they have proven an ability to stay close, and then at some point in the second half, there's a defensive run coming where they're going to hold you scoreless for four, five, six minutes. And, I mean, they only score six points themselves during that time, <laughs> but that's enough to give them the separation that they need where the game is like just suddenly over. So we'll see how if they can keep uh, if they can keep that up. Are they going to lose too many Mountain West games to be in the NCAA tournament? Like basically their non-conference schedule isn't uh, anything great, but if they rip off, you know, 25 wins, they're probably going to be in the NCAA tournament. But like are they going to lose too many games to a Colorado State or a Boise State just because their offense hit a rut and they, they went on a seven minute stretch without scoring. And that that's the reason they don't make the NCAA tournament. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, because I don't think their defense is going to hit a rut. Um, I, the mountain West is a, a conference. It's always been where if you play consistent, consistent, good basketball, you're going to get six or seven wins against the bottom of the conference. Just by, like I said, just by being consistently good and not taking nights off. And then you'll give yourself a chance against the rest of the conference just by, like you said, playing good defense. You'll be in a lot of close games. Uh, you're going to win some of them. Probably, you know, you know how close games are, Tyler. They can go either way um, statistically. So I could easily see them winning 11 games in conference or 12 games in conference playing this style. Uh, and that's without any offensive improvements, I think they still have room to improve on offense. And I know every team in the country can say that at this point in the year. It's like, oh, we're going to get better as the year goes along. Everyone can say it. Uh, I do think there is some truth to that for UNLV because they are a, not a, an offensively gifted group, but they are a group that can play more cohesively on that end. So the defense is there. The offense is possibly coming around. 
I could easily see them winning double-digit Mountain West games and maybe a little bit beyond that. I am going to give you traditional Thanksgiving food. You tell me yes. if uh, you like the texture yes, of the no. food. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just voting just on texture? Just on texture. You don't have safe foods? I usually pre-eat because I know I'm going to walk into a situation <laughs> where I'm not going to okay. like it, so I might as well get something in my stomach. Yeah, Lindsey Brown is here. She has uh, given us the same opinions as you about food texture yes. and just looking at things and knowing the texture is going to be wrong. So uh, I'm going to start with cranberry sauce. No, no, I don't want it. <laughs> uh, stuffing. It's slime. It's just slime. It's uh, just stuffing. It's no, it's too. Cr- it's too. It's too. Cr- it's both wet and crumbly at the same time. It's not crunchy want- enough. It's not crusty enough, is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's bad mouthfeel. I can tell. Yeah. All right. Um, not the not the texture, but do you like turkey? I do like turkey, but I like it um, very dry. Yeah. Lindsay is celebrating. Yeah, over Mike, here. we gotta go on She's a banquet cruise of some sort. You or some sort. You and I would have a great time. Um, green bean casserole. Oh god. I like green beans by themselves out of a can, as you know. Um, what's a, what else is in this casserole? I don't like the word cream. Casserole. Yeah, I don't like, like lying. Yeah, cream mushrooms. basically is a good way to. I phrase tried it. sweet potatoes uh, a couple days ago. I actually liked those. Okay, hold on. Were they mashed you know sweet what, potatoes? You know what? Two things don't go together is vegetables and cream. So I'm going to say no on. Don't that. go to the Midwest. I don't, I don't ever. think that's true. I, Have you ever had mashed potatoes? <laughs> oh my god, I love cream. Them. Is it a main ingredient? Mashy peas are so do, good. Do you like mashed potatoes, Mike? I do, but also the same. Very dry and plain. No gravy, no nothing. Oh, I put the, as much butter as I possibly can in there where it's, like, saturated, where it, like, <laughs> drips out. It, it's too much. It's too much. Uh, pumpkin pie. Uh, I've never had that. Uh, and oh. here's the thing. It doesn't look like a pie. It looks like just like a pureed, like, pumpkin matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, sort of pressed together. Um, and I don't want, I don't want that. Baby food, baby food crusted over, oh, literally. That's a good way, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, French silk, though. Right, so wait, wait, is, is baby food a no-go on the texture no, side? or it's or, too or, mushy. In, in this instance, yes, because it's not really made into anything. It's just, it's just pumpkin pressings <laughs> that are just jammed into this. It's formed into the shape of like a pie patty, and I'm not interested in that. Uh, I am aware that you drove overnight Wednesday to get home Thursday morning before Thanksgiving and probably slept the rest of the day. And I'm very curious to know, what did you actually eat on Thanksgiving? I actually tweeted out a picture of it uh, oh, on I Thanksgiving morning. I got a completely missed um, this. I got a frozen pizza from the store. Yes. And I made that. <laughs> and I got a box of uh, munchkin donut holes from Dunkin' Donuts. You're a hero, and I, Mike. I stayed there. I watched a little football. I made my food. That was my, my Thanksgiving meal. Oh. You're, you're a hero. Uh, as always, pro-pee, man. What a, he's what Mike Gravala of the Las Vegas Sun. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I am retweeting the picture Mike sent out as we speak. I, I'm disappointed in myself that I missed that. What, what the hell was I doing on Thanksgiving? That's ultimate safe food. I love that. You get pizza like half a frozen pizza. Yep. And <laughs> I dip my frozen pizza in applesauce. So it's it's a nice little... Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, we need to go to break. But what? Is there a way to... It's the best. Don't knock it till you try it, people. All right. Coming up next, worst. we try to address <laughs> that. But first, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go see ZZ Top at the Venetian, we've got two tickets for December 7th. 702 364 is the phone number. ZZ Top is at the Venetian, and we've got tickets for December 7th. 702 364 Caller number eight is going to see ZZ Top. 
Love under center. First and 10. Green Bay 37. Making the handoff. Love throws the middle. Got Watkins. Cutting left. 50. Accelerates. 45. 40. 35. 30. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. I'm not shocked, to be honest with you, that he went out there and, and played well and showed great poise. Uh, that we see it on a daily basis, you know, in practice. And I know, you know, people might not necessarily agree with that, but I see it every day. And um, I think he's a guy that continued to get better and better each and every day in practice. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Featuring All-American Lindsey Brown. She is furious. I'm just uncomfortable. I sent it to you before I uploaded it. I know. It. I just didn't, like... There's things in theory and then there's things in actuality. I just like it's not it's not something that I'm usually like, look at what I did. But now it is. So it's uncomfortable. I think that's a running theme of the show, though, because Ed keeps winning journalism awards. And every time we bring him up, he just turns beat. Right. Modesty. It's a great thing. No, never be modest. No, no. It's it's overrated. All right. uh, We have an important topic to address before we went to break. Lindsay. Who, uh, you don't okay, just to, I mean, just the to set this trash up, palette come to mind, <laughs> just to set this up, you do not want anything to do with cranberry sauce, none because it's slime, or yeah, is that, I, that, that was Grimala's, but I, I share similar uh sentiments. But you told us you dip your pizza, frozen in, pizza, in. Wait, you cook it specifically first. for I know, oh, but like if okay. I order Jesus, <laughs> no, <laughs> like that's an actual. You can call me a raccoon in that instance. I'll eat anything. No, <laughs> specifically only frozen pizzas that have been cooked. I'll dip in applesauce. If it's ordered pizza, no. Uh, why? Because frozen pizza like, is is just hold it's on, a before different. Why? Okay, forget that question. Okay, how? What do you mean how? When, you the individual cups. In what? In what way did this okay. happen? So this started my senior year in like- high school because one of my close friends, Ala, she basically introduced it to me. And I'm I'm not a person that tries things like willy-nilly. Like, I have to be in a good headspace. I have to trust the people. I have to, like, inspect how they make <laughs> other foods. Like, there how has much to be- did you trust these people? A lot. but And sometimes I can surprise myself. And in that instance, it was, you know, you get, like, a Jack's frozen pizza, which is fine, especially, like, if you're hammered and you're just trying to get something down the gullet. Uh, that but, was like, actually going to be my right. question. Is, did you start, but frozen pizza is great, and it's changed a lot in the last 10 years where it's really fancy, but- it just makes it easier to eat, and it's the salty and and sweet, or I should say, savory and sweet combination. Like when I get Wendy's, I get fries and a chocolate frosty, and then you do one end of the fry and the ketchup, and then you do the other end of the fry and the frosty, and then you just have like the best thing of all time. All right, the f- ketchup part's weird on that. Okay, the fry and the frosty. Yeah, that's it kicks ass. Weird. There's just like yeah. certain combinations that are really good, and I would say I'm particular about food texture wise. But in terms of like flavor combinations, it's all like very custom to me. Do you it's eat, weird do you to eat a lot of people. Applesauce on its I own? do. I do mostly in the mornings if I'm having trouble like getting an appetite with breakfast, I'll just like basically chug one. But otherwise, <laughs> I, not you know really. I'm visiting you with the bottle of applesauce. No, I get the yes. individual packages because I used to do the. I used to do. I, I everything is down to a science because the applesauce and the jug taste differently than the ones in the individual cups, and then there's less waste with the pizza, so I get the cups. Do you, Danny. Do Danny, you Danny's eat, here, by the way. Do you eat applesauce with your pork chops? No, I don't. No, I don't really eat pork chops. Oh, it's so good. I know it's it's pork chops and applesauce, like it's a whole thing. But no, so good. No, I actually, yeah, I normally. 
I thought that was like a Midwestern thing. No, was, or I, I, and I don't like ranch. I don't like cheese, really, unless it's on like pizza. I'll drink two gallons of milk a week alone, but, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm a very unique individual. I don't expect other people to subscribe, so it's all good. Do you actually drink two gallons of milk I every do, week? Every week. Oh my sometimes, that is, sometimes that more. Is some solid Midwestern. Sometimes right more. There. It's I drink water and milk. That's the only thing I drink I now. I don't think I've had a cup of milk in maybe a year. If I don't if have milk, ninety percent of the meals that I do eat cannot be eaten because it's it's I have to have it. I'll, I'll choose to not eat or eat something completely different that doesn't include milk. This All is, right. This is. The, I'm Football! getting. I am getting. I am getting like Vietnam style flashbacks <laughs> to my dad. At every meal, pouring me this glass because I'm from the Midwest. Well, I'm from how many percent? Uh, two percent. Yeah, you were putting on some weight with that percentage. Literally, just I'm a skim milk person. A pint of milk. It's just nice. It's like it's just it's very neutralizing. Every meal growing up, we had milk. Yeah, and it is the strangest refreshing drink. It is on the planet. With, with and it's Danny's not just cookies. It's it's with pizza. It's with salad. It's with you know cookie dough. It's with caramel apples. That's what I had for breakfast this morning. A caramel apple. I left over caramel. I had like three extra slices, and I put in the caramel, and I drink some milk, and it's the okay. best. Okay. All right. All right. Apples dipped in caramel. Yes. I again, I was envisioning you apple, whole apple that had been <laughs> dipped in caramel, and you were eating it like a turkey leg before coming I, in. Yeah, I envisioned like a <laughs> like a ta- uh, county fair. Yeah. Caramel apple. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to take a picture of your fridge the next time before you. <laughs> it's come a very on. normal <laughs> fridge. I got some broccoli florets in there. Because if there is a whole caramel florets? apple in are there. Are you French? Isn't that they florets? called florets? What's a florets? Oh, see, the, I, when I read things, I they sound differently in my head. Like Decatur, I read as Decatur. That's just French. You're just reading things oh, as yeah. French. I'm just trying to be inclusive, okay? All-American eater, <laughs> Lindsey Brown. Oh, Always a joy to have her here.